0: Hi, Juliana. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having
1: me. I'm excited to talk about uh, being a healthcare worker and all those fun things that, quote-unquote, fun things that come <laughs> along with it sometimes.
0: All the the fun stories, whether or not they were fun in the moment. Yeah, wild times to be had by all. Um, so can you kind of talk about what you do in the healthcare field and um, maybe what education you had and kind of what types of places you've worked in?
1: Yeah. So hi, Juliana Coughlin here. Um, I am a registered dietitian, RD, LDN, MS, which is registered dietitian, licensed dietitian, registered dietitian, and then masters of science. So oh, okay. those are all my my fun little abbreviations yeah. that come after my name. But essentially, I got my undergraduate degree in at Framingham State in Massachusetts, which I grew up in Massachusetts, and that is the state school. But they actually have a really cool program for dietetics there, where if you want to, you can apply for a master's level program for your last two years of undergrad. Oh, dang. Yeah, because most dietitians you'll talk to, they get their undergraduate degree in dietetics, and then they go on and they do their 1200 practice practice hours as part of their master's degree Mm -hmm. um i did that as part of my undergrad a little bit after that i believe i got my my license in that july and then i got my first job that september Mm. as a dietitian uh working in long-term care i was working in a nursing home that was out in western massachusetts so that was my first foray into Being a registered dietitian besides my internships which the Mm -hmm. internships they make you work in clinical food service and community and then you have like one like toss up for like the rest of the hours that you're (laughs) you're doing it um and i had done my clinical at this little hospital out in western massachusetts actually which was tiny and i honestly would never I won't say their name, but I would never <laughs> go there. <laughs> just saying. Um sometimes us healthcare workers, we like we work places and we're like, yeah, we would never put our family members yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no,
0: no. Yeah, I know what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you just you see the inside workings and you're like, oh boy.
0: I know. Yeah. I remember I used to work in a long like a nursing home in a long term mm-hmm. care facility. And like, um um after that I would go to the hospital that was kind of in the same city and then they would recommend this place and I would always tell the families like just go check it out first
1: <laughs> yeah go see how you like it it's yeah. just
0: yeah,
1: yeah sometimes it's just it's a, it's a lot of like structural and like things where it's like the upper management that tends to be the pain in the butt so there's mm-hmm. nothing like you and I could do as like lower level employees that don't have input in the policies and procedures and like the hirings of a lot of these places so. and that just
0: makes it so defeating to work there and mm-hmm. then they lose all the good people <laughs> yeah and then all these families
1: who come in whether it be like a longer term setting or a short-term care setting they look at you the nurse the dietitian, the cna whoever's on the floor as the reason why things are like not going so great and you're like no it's not really me it's it's the upper yeah. management
0: and the upper management all hides in their back little offices and you're like oh come on please yeah, and like you I feel that a lot like in our roles because like we're the face of the mm-hmm. hospital because we interact with the patient, but we don't make exactly. a lot of the decisions. So we're kind of like the hopeless middleman that gets yelled at. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> to think about but, it negatively.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're right though. And you we're the people too who take not only the brunt of the patients, but of the family members too. Mm-hmm. So you're the, yeah. you're the people that they see first, whoever the people who are in the hospital lock eyes with first is the person who's cursed for the rest of the day. <laughs> but yeah, so I worked in long term care for a while, which is funny, because I, in college said the only place I don't want to work is with old people. And what did I do?
0: <laughs> I went and worked with older people.
1: Yeah. And I, I ended up staying in long term care for about eight years. It's just oh, recently. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just recently that I got out. I mean, one of the challenges is that uh, the, the more I've be, been a dietitian, the more I've learned that it's a job that initially, and it's kind of changing, was meant for like a married woman. I am a, <laughs> it's, it, Essentially, it's like they only want to offer you like part time jobs. They only want to offer you like part time hours, because all I think a lot of it too, is there's not a lot of science backing up how preventatively great nutrition is and uh-huh. the actual value behind having a dietitian there full-time on staff and so the places that i've worked that have me full-time like they really love it because they're like yeah juliana's like doing all these things blah 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 because blah, i'm involved with like the food and the menus and the, the, pa- the residents and the patients whoever it is and like people don't realize how emotional food is especially in nursing homes like that's their like three big hurrahs for the day is their meals Mm. and there's so much emotion connected to that too and so much like importance by a lot of these residents who live in these nursing homes then yeah it's just it's it's a big to do with older people in nursing homes so yeah and
0: I could see how that like emotional satisfaction or that yeah. like that means so much but like financially when you look at it on paper like maybe mm-hmm. it isn't the same
1: yeah I think there's just not like a direct translation that is I think evaluated by insurance and I uh, think that's the problem
0: because always insurance.
1: yeah because there's no like there are patient satisfaction surveys and there is obviously a section in it that has to do with like food and nutrition side of things but there's no direct tie-in from insurance mm-hmm. reimbursement for that that's more of just a oh let's make sure we have a good foot out in the community here kind of thing as opposed to like med compliance or Clinical outcomes that are, and like, is this person breathing? What's their O2 levels? How many people have you gotten off ventilators this week? It's like things like that, you know? And
0: it's crazy because like nutrition plays into all those different things. Like, the more nourished mm-hmm. you are, the more able you are to do all those things and be yeah. stronger and heal faster. So, it's
1: yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, again, there's no like direct correlation besides weight which mm-hmm. isn't really especially in a long-term hair setting isn't great because yeah people's weights are really skewed based on like their mobility status and things like that and mm-hmm. also there's so many old people who are holding fluid in their legs so many <laughs>
0: Which adds so much weight.
1: <laughs> yeah, and some some of these people's weights like go up and down and up and down and you'll have the insurance nurse come to you and she'll be like, why does this person's weight keep going up and down? I'm like, if you read my notes, like you can see that this person is holding like 10 pounds of fluid periodically, give or take in their legs over the last two years.
0: <laughs> it's not me, it's the fluid.
1: <laughs> yeah, they get daily weights. This is why you have so many weights. And, <laughs> but that's the only number that insurance looks at though. They're like, oh yeah, are their weights stable for like nutrition specifically? Yeah. And... So yeah, there's not really like a good insurance reimbursement standpoint to having a dietitian. So I think a lot of facilities, be it hospitals, nursing homes, whatever the healthcare facility is, they just are like, yeah, it's not worth our money to pay into these people who aren't going to get us more reimbursement dollars.
0: That's really unfortunate because of how important it is.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, we we need to find more ways to make it a lot more measurable. I feel like physical therapy has kind of found a way to quantify things a little bit better because they definitely are kind of a treating but also preventative service at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like we need to get somewhere in that realm where we can like prove to the insurance people this is the work that we're doing mm. and start to quantify things a little bit better. I think, yeah, I think like mental health is kind of in that field too where they don't have as many like reactive, Measurable. yeah, like reactive I got- measurables, I guess. Mm-hmm where as opposed to like not, not, like nothing against this is all insurance insurance yeah is like yeah yeah this stupid. is all reimbursement <laughs> yeah it, they're stupid but like nursing like you're like oh yeah i took like you guys are responsible I put in the for the iv
0: them. i took three tubes of blood it's like very yeah. clear like yeah it's very like
1: meticulous like okay i took their oxygen levels i took their their pulse rate i took their breathing rate and mm-hmm. it's like these are the things that you're measuring and they're all like numbers so they're easy to quantify and easy for insurance to be like aha this is why a nurse is valuable. We bring on more nurses and you guys are really valuable I and mean, there should be more nurses, but the, like other, yeah, that's kind of yeah. why. Like
0: you guys need to figure out what your guys' me- measurable outcomes are, which it's yeah. hard because I feel like you kind of affect everything a little. So like, how yeah. do you measure that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of hard too. Plus like, I don't even know who does that stuff for insurance. I don't think it's dietitians. I think it's someone. Yeah like who has probably just worked in insurance forever but yeah being a dietitian is like a part-time job essentially sometimes and it's harder to find like full-time jobs um Mm. so the only places i could really find them were that i could like personally get that were in my area were in long-term care because if you want to work as a full-time dietitian you pretty much have to go work at like boston medical center or um brigham's in in Boston because mm. those where all the par- full time dietitians are, and those jobs are hard to get. <laughs> let me because tell you how
0: many people going after them
1: yeah, it, well, because those are some of the top medical centers in the country, yeah, yeah, and they only want to hire they don't want to hire new new grads either, like I was not appealing as a new grad to them, <laughs> 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 they want seasoned people mm.
0: that's yeah, that sucks, and like how how are you guys gonna how are dietitians gonna be able to? show that we're so like they can care for all these people the way that they need to because you're not getting enough time to do what you need to do
1: yeah I mean I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out I think we just have to find other measurements besides weight yeah probably that <laughs> it's that's so gonna crazy quantify. because
0: like your weight changes so much in the hospital mm-hmm. uh-huh. for like things that are yes. like sometimes even unrelated oh, all yeah, like right you put someone saying, on like, oh yeah exactly you it's get like- so puffy you're like Or like people lose weight, but it might not be good. Like I know Mm -hmm. people that have been in the hospital for like three weeks and they've lost so much weight, but that's not necessarily like a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's it's like muscle mass.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of wild like how insurance works, but yeah, I, I was able to land some jobs as being a full-time dietitian in long-term care. And I will say like, I really love working with old people. Actually, I think they're (laughs) Really cute. And my favorite actually is to work with the people with dementia because Um, it's just, you can kind of create whatever world you want with the people with dementia. They are kind of like Play-Doh. You can mold a little bit in a way where it's like, if if you walked in and you were like, today is Christmas, they'd be like, cool, today is Christmas. And they just like go
0: (laughs) along. they just go with it and they you're like you say if you like serve them different meals they'll be excited every day even though they had it a couple days ago maybe yeah it was me I would be like I had this two days ago yeah I don't want this yeah anymore. plus they have so- like
1: they say like the craziest things and I love it so much
0: <laughs> so what what do you, what is your role in like let's take the long-term care facility yeah. for example what what exactly do you do
1: yeah, I mean the funniest part is that no one knows what the dietitian does.
0: Usually, <laughs> I like work in healthcare, and I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, most it's probably people because I no work idea. in the emergency room, and I'm like outpatient because technically we're not considered inpatient.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, well, emergency room dietitian is going to look a little bit different than a long term care dietitian. Um, but yeah, so pretty much what I would do kind of spans the whole spectrum of the whole nursing home. A lot of the times, I would just call myself the food detective. <laughs> um finding food problems and solving them but i was in charge of depending on the facility sometimes creating the menu sometimes just auditing it because there are guidelines that come along from the state as mm-hmm. to what the menu has to contain and unlike the hospitals which i think is every two years do you guys get audited by jaco um i think so i do I,
0: I should know this but yeah it might be, i think it's every two
1: Yeah, so we have a state inspection, which literally is like hell week. Um, It's awful. The, The anxiety levels are like through the roof the entire time. And I'm not sad to be rid of that right now in any capacity but essentially the state sets certain criteria for every single thing that happens in a nursing home. And one of the things they set is nutritional requirements. Like you have to have this many servings of fruit, vegetables, whatever Mm -hmm. each day and each week. So Mm -hmm. I would help either create or audit the menu to make sure it meets that. Um, Also doing like test trays to make sure like, okay, the food is tasting good. It's, it's getting to the room hot. Um, Also then fielding any any complaints or questions that come from the residents down into the kitchen. Like if someone, I was kind of the face of the kitchen or I would call myself mm-hmm. the bridge between nursing and the kitchen essentially mm-hmm. because I kind of dealt, dipped into both pots, like the clinical side and the kitchen service food service side. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing like tray audits, making sure everything is like, Tasting good, looking good, smelling good, getting there at the right temperatures, cooked to the correct temperatures, like doing audits of the kitchen, making sure they're labeling and dating things correctly, making sure that the, the way that they're serving is to, up to standard. Um, once in a while, having to fill in as a diet aid because we were short on diet aids, um, which is fine. And then like on the clinical side of things, you have to do an admission assessment, like looking at the person's nutritional status, how's their chewing, how's their eating, what disease states do they have, what diet should they be on, things Mm -hmm. like that. Also taking like food preferences, sometimes filling out menus with people depending on what their needs are, like dexterity and cognition wise, um, and then doing like dining room audits helping feed people once in a while, working closely with the speech therapist, a lot of the times working with people like, okay, can this person have this item? Let's kind of figure out what's going on, like what's gonna help their quality of life the best. Um, a lot of just like documenting on people and their their like food habits, their eating habits, how well they're eating doing, the, again, the admission assessment, doing quarterly assessments, uh, and then the weights, making sure the weights get done at least monthly. Everyone's everyone's at least doing a monthly weight in the long-term care, sometimes more, sometimes less. But making sure the weights get done by the CNAs, which that is a trip and a half if you're asking me, because some of these people have attitudes, um, to put it nicely. but But... Making sure those get done, and then like writing like, okay, this weight person's weight loss happened because X, Y, and D, Z, and then being weight detective and trying to figure out what the heck happened with everything that's going mm. on. Um, yeah, just to, like kind of like delving around into all the pots, anything that had to do with like food. Essentially, I was there like doing educations with the nursing staff because a lot of them don't know like, okay, this is what a diabetic diet actually is. Like, this person can have this actually, even though you've been telling them they can't. Um, <laughs> like, it's fine, but like, let's just back up and make sure we don't keep doing that so yeah Yeah. a lot of just just a lot of a lot of things that you're like oh juliana that should be a full-time job and like aha yes it should be a full-time job but they only want
0: to pay me for yeah and like doing it for every individual like resident that's there oh yeah keeping an eye on everybody's like changes and patterns and that sounds Mm -hmm. like a lot of work (laughs) yeah i mean half my time I would spend
1: actually just observing people in the dining rooms because I would save myself so much time like writing notes because Mm -hmm. I could physically see everything that was happening. And so when someone had a weight loss, like I didn't have to go and investigate it as much because I was like, oh, yeah, I've been feeding Mrs. Jones for the last three days because like I've I've been doing being the eyes in the dining rooms, I'd seen that she's been having trouble feeding and so I've like stepped in and been an intervention and seen like okay this is what's happening so then I can write it, it, it saves me being I'm very hands-on as a dietitian and that honestly saves me a lot of time in the long run because I don't have to go ask
0: people what's going on
1: like I already know yeah so and, there and are sometimes a lo-
0: they won't know what's going on so you have to be
1: yeah <laughs> there are a lot of dietitians who are very hands-off and they just they just want to, like, do the clinical side of things. They just want to just, like, observe and, like, ask people questions. And some of them don't even like to interact with the residents, which is kind of mm. sad. Yeah. But I'm I'm like super hands on. Like, I will if you need juice, I'll go get you juice. If you need something, I'll go get it. I'll feed anyone. I don't care if they're spitting up or whatever. I'll do it. Um, so like I just I, I, I think it's because I, like, genuinely care about these people. Yeah, probably to a point that's like not good. <laughs> <laughs> like, like too much but i just i want them to be cared for and i like think like if this was my mom would i want the dietitian to just be like oh yep, yeah, okay cool and like walk away no i yeah. would want her to like walk over and be like oh can i get you something else to eat like what what do you want like cause sometimes the cnas don't just they just don't ask like granted they only have most of them only have like a very limited education sometimes there's a language barrier and so it's just whatever the external circumstances are. And sometimes they just need an extra hand when it comes to dealing with these residents. Because, I mean, these residents are a lot. They're a lot to
0: handle. Yeah, it sounds like you too, like you also recognize that like, yeah, food like is nutrition, but it's also like like you're saying like a huge part of quality of life. And like if someone's sitting there like in this place that is their home, this Mm long-term care facility, it's not like the hospital where you get to Leave. leave and go eat the food that you want at home, the food that you taste good, so... I think yeah, food is definitely nutrition, but it's also like quality of life and what. Mm-hmm. H- how can you help them with that? So that's awesome. Yeah. So what do you what do you do now?
1: Yeah, so right now I'm working as an outpatient dietitian for the Veterans Association for the VA, mm. Um, which is interesting because a lot of the times in outpatient settings for dietitians, again, insurance mm. is a pain in the butt. Uh, they so real quick, all... is outpatient like a clinic or what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, yeah, we have a clinic and there's about like four or five doctors who are in it. I have a couple of nurse practitioners. We have like podiatry that comes through. We have Mm -hmm. um, a cat scan machine. We have an ultrasound machine. We have PT that's going to be starting with us. We have pretty much anything that you can think of. Yeah. (laughs) It's really nice because um, the veterans pretty much can, for whatever their insurance fee is, they can see like all of us, all in one, like a ton of us in one visit. And it's like, just one of their insurance payments, which I'm not exactly sure how much an insurance payment with them would be. I think it's probably like $20 or $30, honestly. Yeah. But they have all their services covered, which is really nice. And we can just refer them over to other people. And a lot of the times when I'm in the clinic too, I will have some of the practitioners just walk people over to me. If they see my doors open, they'll be like, hey, can you see this person? I'll be like, yeah, sure, come on in, uh, which is really nice because in any other outpatient setting, I would have to be like, well, it's going to cost you like $125, $150 to like to see me. Cause your insurance isn't going to pay for it. Cause a lot of the times insurance will only pay for di- outside the VA will pay mm-hmm. for dietitian visits only if you have like severe diabetes or like just had a heart attack pretty much. So yeah, it's, it's really nice that I can see a, such a wide variety of people. Cause right now I see anyone from like, our age up to people who are over 100 years old and it's oh. all different all different things all all day which I kind of like that better but
0: so do you set their like diet plans with them at home do you help them understand nutrition or what do you what do you do for them um I should know this I feel <laughs> like but yeah no I'm yeah. trusting
1: literally no one knows what a dietitian does no okay. one knows. no <laughs> one has any idea I'm glad the, I'm not alone the more different jobs that I work, the more I'm like, "Yep, yeah, you have no idea what I'm doing. You would have no clue if I was being productive or not. I could literally sit behind my desk and knit a sweater. And you'd be like, oh, Juliana's doing her job. I'd be like, huh? Until someone like came back until like someone was like, Julia hasn't charted for like 50 days. I'm like, I feel like, um, well,
0: I feel like part of the problem is it's such a long-term effect. Like it's not really yeah. immediate. Like yeah. your nutrition takes a long time to like actually have like such a strong, like going to the gym, it takes like what, like 12 weeks to actually see a difference. I think yeah it says or something. So like,
1: yeah, something like that. That's yeah, I, but yeah, I mean like uh, it's just for an example if someone's trying to lose weight like a healthy weight of rate losses rate of weight loss that is a sentence to be saying (laughs) uh is about like half a pound to two pounds every week and so you have to think like if you have someone who maybe say is like over 300 pounds and they're losing steadily like half a pound a week it's it's gonna take you a while before you're even gonna see physically a difference in that person yeah and like really see like have them trigger for like a what a significant weight loss would be which for mm-hmm. um for a month it's over five percent of their starting weight mm-hmm. so that's that's still a good amount of like little point five pound increments out over a long period of time but they're still making a lot of progress and you got to think too like these everyone's human so you have like setbacks and so it's yeah not i was gonna thinking it's such like a, your
0: nutrition is such like a lifelong yeah thing that you learn and i feel like every like every week I learn something new about my nutrition and how do, How can mm-hmm. I make this a little better? So yeah, I can see how those.
1: Yeah, where. I always like to tell my, my people that I want to set you up with a toolbox so that I never have to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> Not nope. that I don't, I don't wanna- like you, but I just, <laughs> I, I want you to have the tools to go out into the real world and be able to function as a human being without me having to breathe down your neck. <laughs>
0: yeah in the ed a lot of times i'm like see you later and then it's like wait i hope i don't yeah yeah but sorry i distracted you okay oh no you're clinic, fine what What are you doing yeah in the
1: yeah so honestly it really just depends person to person sometimes i'll oh, sit okay. down and i a lot of the times i get like a referral from the doctor saying that oh we're sending them to you for diabetes or heart failure or something like that and A lot of the times the veterans will just sign themselves up too. So I won't have any, yeah, which is really nice because we have like my Mm -hmm. flyer up front and they can just like say like, hey, I want to schedule an appointment with Juliana and the scheduling woman from Dietary will call them and set it up. And so I would say at least half the time these people show up in my clinic and I don't know why they they picked an appointment with me. I have no idea. Um, So my opening question is always, what do you you want to get out of today's (laughs) appointment? Like I want to make sure like whatever they want to get out of today's appointment is what we're going to get out because that's where I'm going to resonate with them the most. And I just, again, like some of them, I don't even know like why they came in. And sometimes I'll get referred to someone for diabetes and we end up talking more about like weight loss or heart failure or something like that because they do still have diabetes. But the main thing when we break down what they're eating and their lifestyle habits that's affecting them is more or less like a heart failure related thing or something like that so i i kind of like to keep the floor open for whatever comes my way because sometimes mm-hmm. it is like meal planning sometimes it's just like thinking of alternatives for the ice cream that they eat every night sometimes it's like a motivational interview figuring out like okay i'm doing this so i can be at my grandparent my granddaughter's wedding or something like that so it's it's usually like some kind of either motivational interviewing meal planning like diet brainstorming Or um, a lot of times with like the specifically like diabetic people, if they haven't had any education on like, what's a hemoglobin A1C? What what actually is a carbohydrate? What foods contain carbohydrates? Which my favorite one to tell people is fruit, because Mm. no one thinks of fruit as a carbohydrate. And they're like, yeah, fruit is fruit. I'm like, well, fruit is good for you. But too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. And too much fruit will actually drive your blood sugars up past 300. So please do not go binge eat. (laughs) Cantaloupes. Um, <laughs> I dec- I definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not diabetic, it's not really a big deal. It's just, and I tell mm-hmm. people too. I'm like, it's not. I I call it when I'm working with diabetes the Goldilocks zone. Like, I don't want your blood sugars too low or too high. I want them just right, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So we have the Goldilocks zone. That they fall in. So carbs aren't bad. They're just something we need to like moderate our portion sizes on.
0: Everything in balance.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everything in moderation. Like again, too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. Too much of a bad thing is too, it's too much of a bad thing. All. Too
0: much too, of a bad thing is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too much
1: of, yeah, whatever. Extremes are not what we're what we're going for. We're going for some, a nice, like, ooh, level of moderation.
0: What What would you say is, what would you say is in general, probably not for everyone, but what, mm-hmm. what would you think, if you could pick one thing that you feel like is a barrier to your patient's success, what would be the number one thing, do you think?
1: I think it's probably just like ingrained habits they have in their day-to-day life. Um, I have this kind of like little schtick that I've created for myself, this little uh, philosophy I have, and I like to call it resetting your default settings um, Mm. because a lot of us have these like default settings that we are very unaware of until we like, talk about them or have someone help us discover like oh yeah that's something that I do every day without thinking about it and a lot of the times they're not helping you towards whatever the goal is that you're reaching towards like say like you're like oh I want to lose like 20 pounds and you're like I redone my whole diet everything is great and I talk to you throughout the day and you're like oh yeah every day I drink a co- uh, two cokes with lunch and <laughs> then every night I have three cookies and I'm like well why do you do that they're like oh I've just always done that my whole life like it's just something that I do or like those things like we know with our family members you're like oh there's Bob with his coke again he just walks around with a coke in his hands oh Bob um, just one of those things that it's just you kind of take it on as part of your like personality in a way and you're just mm-hmm. like accepting that is there and things that especially when you're stressed you revert to like you have like this set comfort yeah you have this like set level of in like learned settings in your brain where you're like okay when i'm stressed i have a mcdonald's cheeseburger with a large coke and that's just what i do thank you very much and <laughs> a lot of the times it's like okay is that helping you charge your goal or is that not helping you charge your goal if your goal yeah. is to put on weight really quickly i think we're probably in a good spot if it's to, <laughs> to manage your blood sugars or your blood pressures or to lose weight maybe not the best idea yeah.
0: Um, And how do you change those habits to still mm -hmm. give you the comfort that you're looking for or still be, be that for you? Cause like we said, food is a part of your quality of life, but how do you change those habits also where it's not like has the negative effect?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's my, my whole process, again, it's like a gradual thing is I'll have people identify like two to three habits where they're like, where they're not meeting their goal. We identify what the goal is. And again, that could be anything, gaining weight, losing weight, running a marathon, walking 10 feet. That's their goal. And then we go through what they're eating and their food habits. And we find like, okay, these are like two or three things that like are not helping us move towards the goal. They're helping us move away from the goal. And then one at a time we will attack them and I'll give them like a couple of weeks to work on like one of the, until we've like, actually, they, they come back to me. They're like, yeah, I did it every, every day. And it felt fine. And like, say, say they're drinking the Cokes every day and I'm like, okay, maybe tomorrow I'm going to challenge you to drink one Coke. And then the second Coke, I want half of that to be a diet Coke. And so Mm -hmm. we'll just do that for a couple of days. And then we'll do one Coke and a diet Coke. And then we'll do half a Coke and two diet Cokes. And then we'll do like a diet Coke and some water. And then we'll do like two. So it's like a gradual change. So that way your body just like has time to just like keep accepting it and like have it ingrained back into your, like recarved into your psyche. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you're like, yeah, I only drink water. And it just like it doesn't feel like you're missing anything because you've just like gradually gotten to that point, point. and hopefully at that point too, like you you start feeling better too. And I think that's the thing too, because a lot of these cho- food choices that we're replacing are things that like aren't really making you feel too great, but you just get used to feeling like crap. That mm. <laughs> that once you start changing things, you're like, oh yeah, I can move easier. I haven't had a headache for five days, so <laughs> things and that's were probably. Yeah. And a lot of the times too, these people will, they're not only like, okay, I'm losing weight. They're like, oh, I got to go for a walk with my grandkids last week. And I didn't even have to stop once because I like, I've just been feeling better. I've lost some weight and everything is going a little bit better for me health wise now too. So a lot of the times it's not necessarily that they're getting rewarded by food continuously by replacing those habits. They're getting rewarded by the outcomes that come Mm -hmm. with Re-shifting I think the hard think. thing
0: too is sometimes those outcomes like can take a while. Like we're saying, like oh, yeah. it can take like a month or two to be able mm-hmm. to do that walk. Or um, mm-hmm. and something I'm also thinking about is like I think that people don't understand how. I mean, for me, I don't. Un- I don't think I understand how much of an impact eating has on like my mental and emotional self. Like we we're talking mm-hmm. about because like I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I can just choose a diet coke instead of a regular coke. It sounds easy.
1: Oh, but yeah when does.
0: you like realize, but I think what the hard part comes is when you realize how much that coke helps you emotionally and mentally, and how do mm-hmm. you take care of yourself when you're not drinking it? I think that's I think I don't know. I think that's interesting,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, people don't realize how emotional food is. I spend most yeah. of my day being like a food therapist, honestly, and like any. <laughs> It, like I said, like the, like the, the motivational interviewing is like a huge part for me too. Like, cause I need yeah. to, fi- we need to figure out like why, what is your like big if, why? Yeah,
0: that's exactly what you were saying.
1: Cause it's like, it's an emotional investment to give up the Coke. Like you have to have a good reason why you're doing it because you've invested so much emotional sanity in some of these small habits and routines around food. And you have to know that, okay, if I give this up, I'm giving it up for a good thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get something better in return. So yeah the return rate has to be higher on the outcome than it is on, on the deduction of the Coke. Yeah. So yeah, most of the time I spend like half the time, like reminding people, this is why we're doing it. Like certain people, I just have, I have one guy who like is scared to death of getting bariatric surgery. So I'll be like, do you want to get bariatric surgery? He'd be like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, cool, cool, cool. See you next week. And for some people, it's like really breaking it down and like figuring out like intuitively what the heck is going on with their brain like why can they not break the barrier of like giving up the coke like what is going on and i'm definitely a lot more i'm gonna say like intuitive and like empathetic than a lot of dietitians Mm -hmm. are like most of my my guys who come into my clinic i'd say half of them come in they're willing half of them come in they're very curmudgingly unwilling (laughs) Uh, usually the unwilling guys are the ones who got referred from the doctors um Mm -hmm. But I can say, I have a pretty good track record of people leaving my office and being like, I'm glad that I came today. Thank you very mm-hmm. much for seeing me because like I want to meet these people where they are on the road. I don't want to meet them too far, too far behind. Like, I want to just figure out where you are and what we can work with it. Because for some people, it will be like, maybe it's, some people like, they love to give up things cold turkey. I have a lot of veterans who are like, nope, I'm just going to give it up. Like, that's how I do things. I just, <laughs> I leave them in the dust. I'm like, <laughs> You you know what? If that works for you, then it's gonna work for me too. You know, uh, all the best towards you. <laughs> yeah, and some of these guys—that's what they just do because they're used to that in the military. They're like, "Yep, nope. I'm just gonna—if I touch it, it's it, have any part of it, I'm not gonna get, ever get rid of it. I just need to say done." And they come back the next week, and the week after, and the week after, they're like, "I haven't touched it." I'm like, "And their way all their all their blood work and everything is showing that they haven't." I'm like, "You know what? Cool. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Cool, cool, cool." <laughs> i wish um, i had that self-motivation
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely much more of like a military yeah. personality thing but yeah. yeah some people just need they need the constant reminder and the constant like emotional investment yeah. back into like who like why they're doing this and i definitely relay um and refer a lot of people over to our therapy department too because we have therapy in that office too because um, a lot of these people have gone through like a lot of trauma oh yeah yeah like a lot of trauma yeah. and so that affects a lot of their things eating
0: habits probably
1: yeah and a lot of them too like because they were in the army I've, I've never been in the army or the service or anything but I've through talking to all these people determined that one they were rushed out of bed all grabbed a cup of black coffee skipped lunch had potato and meat for dinner shoved it down their face and then had a sweet after, din- after dinner and that was the end of the day mm. but they never knew when the next meal was going to come either so these people are like champion speed eaters
0: hmm and so. how do you, how do you help them reframe that mindset? I don't know. It's interesting because yeah. like, it sounds like a puzzle, but mm-hmm. oh, I can I see how puzzle. it's like really frustrating though with insurance, like not not with insurance not being able to quantify uh, it really quantify and value it in the right way, and it's yeah. really it, frustrating. And how do we fix that?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, because a lot of it, it's like an emotional yeah, labor. and a lot
0: of it is very delayed gratification mm-hmm. and. And mm-hmm. how do you get reimbursed for something? And you don't even know if it's for sure going to happen. So yeah. Like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's definitely really challenging. And I will say do mm-hmm. I, I, I like being able to
1: put together like a roadmap and a puzzle or like a blueprint of what people look like because then that helps me like better assess what kind of like treatment plan I'm going to do with them and yeah. like what our plan of attack is going to look like because again, everyone is so different as to what their needs are. Mm -hmm. both like emotionally and nutritionally and
0: Mm.
1: yeah what like what you've gathered food is so emotionally charged and people just don't realize it until you break it down for them and i'm like yeah you've been eating cookies every night because you have you're you're stressed out over moving (laughs) or like you lost your usually you can pinpoint like a like a negative habit to like one point in time you're like yeah you started eating cookies when your wife died like that's that's something I mean, that's something that we can't erase, but that' let's address that, like, and I'll get them set up with therapy, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about ways to choose healthier snacks or whatever it is that or maybe get them out to go bowling on at night instead of instead of sitting down in front of the TV,
0: things that are gonna work for them, and like also, it sounds like like dietitian work is like very preventative medicine too. yes, and I yeah. also feel like in healthcare, we don't focus enough on preventative medicine and valuing it the way that we should we just focus on oh we're gonna charge twenty thousand dollars for a heart attack but Mm -hmm. you know you could have paid a thousand dollars for this person to not It's like it doesn't always work like that but
1: yeah like work with a special preventative specialist like maybe get them with a a pt and like get them with a like a nurse who's going to monitor them at home like every week and and a lot earlier than
0: they are doing it now yeah (laughs) because like um, I, I work with kids, so, like, I mean, mm-hmm. that eating, you know, the eating habits that you develop as okay, a kid. kid.
1: Kids are their own, like, monster when it comes to doing nutrition-related things. Yeah,
0: and, like, if you've been eating like this ever since you were a kid, how do you reframe that? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, to
1: to see, like, the generational differences, too, mm-hmm. because I definitely have a lot of older folks who are part of, like, I would call the clean plate club, who... Mm-hmm feel like this overlying sense of guilt if they leave anything on their plate oh yeah (laughs) because they grew up in the great depression and so they they don't want to leave any food behind and so they have a really hard time like if they go to the cheesecake factory they're going to eat the whole meal because they will not leave any food behind and Mm -hmm. so for that some talking to someone like that would be like okay like maybe you go to a different restaurant or like maybe before the meal starts you put half of it in your to-go box and you take it home so you're not wasting it but you're also not overeating in that moment. So yeah, there's that. And then like that generation also, they love a canned food. They love canned food so much. I'm like- And
0: there's so much salt in them.
1: And yeah, these are all my people who are dealing with heart conditions too. And I'm like, okay. They'll be like, I'm doing well. I'm eating, I'm drinking, sorry, eating soup. I'm like,
0: "Oh, oh no. I think it's a lot too, just like what I just reframing people's mindsets on what is- healthy for you like you're saying because I think that as like things have changed and like we've realized more like what impacts what in the future and I think like some things that I thought were good like aren't necessarily good and habits so yeah it's 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 a map of chaos it sounds like (laughs) and everyone has their own individual journey so but it sounds fun to be able to um, help everyone on their own specific journey and find motivations and yeah I think it would be hard not to get defeated sometimes but
1: yeah I I definitely have learned so my first couple of years as a dietitian, I just left every day just like feeling defeated because I was like Mm. I can't change these people's minds the over the last I would say like five to six years I definitely have come to the point where I'm like Hey, I'm just here to give you information, and if you take it, you take it, and if you don't, you don't, because I can only take it this train so far. And I'll tell people that too if I'm working with them, because a lot of people will be like, "I'm not going to do it," or they'll like have that attitude about them. And so I'll like end our meeting. I'll be like, "So this is the information that you have. You can make a choice. If you if you make this decision or not, I get paid the same amount of money at the end of the day. Thank you very much. This is your life and not mine." And they'll be like, "Oh," and a lot of especially like the veterans and like the like the uh, servicemen and servicewomen. That like stern like, yep, okay, this is your your duty and you have to carry through with it on your own and I'm just here to help is actually like kind of grounding for them, I found. And a lot of them have responded really well to that and been like, Oh, she's right. Like this is mine. I can't she can't do it for me. I'm
0: like, uh-huh. I think that's an interesting view, like where in healthcare in general too, like where does the responsibility of the healthcare worker stop, stop. and the patient start? Like that's a really yeah. interesting balance. And I think that if the healthcare worker goes too far, it could lead to burnout. And mm-hmm. if the patient goes too far, it could, I don't know, or the patient like doesn't an go unhealthy relationship, enough, yeah. or the healthcare worker doesn't go far enough. So I think it's, that's an interesting thought about like, where does the responsibility begin and end? And yeah, yeah. It's but I, it's not that we don't care. It's not that we don't care if these people get better because we want them to, yeah. but at a certain point you have need to personal boundaries. Yeah, you have to have those boundaries where, like, yeah. this is your choice, and I want to do everything I can to help you, but in the end, it is, like, up to you. Yeah. They have to be
1: told sometimes that they have to have their own personal responsibility for their own personal choices yeah. and that we're not their mothers, essentially. Yeah. We're, we're here to help them, and that level of help does vary from person to person to person. Like I have people who I see every week and also set them up with the food pantry that's behind us and things like that. So they get like a little bit more help because of the situation that they're in. And then I have some people who I check in with once every three months and I'm like, yep, this is good. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So yeah. It I think really it's just a, like a
0: dance, like you're saying, mm-hmm. like between. And I think that's what makes it hard is like, everyone is different and like, yeah. How do you know where that line is with every person? like every person that you see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a challenge. I mean, my first couple of years in healthcare, like I got so attached to so many of my residents that (laughs) it was just not okay. Um and I feel like I don't know, I feel like you can probably speak to this too as someone who's worked in healthcare for a while, you kind of just you kind of learn to dissociate sometimes because if you become too emotionally invested in someone, you're gonna destroy yourself and that's not going to be helping anyone.
0: And I think like we were saying, just being in an environment where you don't, like the long-term care facility, the nursing home, being in an environment where you don't have the resources, like Mm -hmm. you don't have the time, like that's really defeating and can cause you to kind of disassociate where like, Mm -hmm. um, there that's like unhealthy, but there's also a healthy balance of like, like I can't become so emotionally invested in every single patient where- (laughs) Like, I think there's a healthy boundary, but then also, like, a lack of resources, a lack of time, mm-hmm. and all those yeah, things that are challenging. insurance fighting against us, like, leads to just, like, more defeat, too. So
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's a hard balance to find, I will say, especially as someone, like, newer, if you're coming into the healthcare division services section, <laughs> it definitely is. It's hard because people ask a lot of you and it's an emotionally charged situation a lot of the time. And sometimes you just have to turn into like blank faced yeah. <laughs> robot person and just be like, nope, that is not what we are doing. You need to sit down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you're the face and like you represent everything mm-hmm. in healthcare that's also going wrong, like we said. So like mm-hmm. how, how, do you, how do you have a good relationship with your patient's despite all these factors it's interesting. To
1: think yeah, about.
0: it's it's a lot
1: to juggle and the more i tell my friends who don't work in healthcare about what it's like to work in healthcare they're like no thank you that is not for me. I'm like <laughs> yeah, it takes a special person it takes a person too who's okay with looking at nasty things because yeah. I tell them some of the things that i've seen if we're just working in healthcare they're like that's disgusting juliana. I was like you should yeah. see some of these nurses. They like this wasn't like, even the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's not even like the worst thing i've seen and I mean, you nurses make me laugh, too, because there are so many like dietitians were like generally speaking, like there's kind of like a, a stereotype for like how much you can take on like nastiness wise, I would say from profession to oh, profession. Yeah. Like, we're okay with looking at things we don't want to like actively go seek them out but if we find them we're okay we can look at them there's no issue i feel like all the nurses i've ever worked with are like do you want to see a surgical video they're like <laughs> trying to show me like these like nasty like videos like that, no <laughs> like do you want to see a wound getting debrided i just did this look at how nasty this they're like showing me pictures of wounds on their phone and i'm like i'm like my friends like i like i'm okay to see them like in passing but like i don't want to go seek them out but <laughs> <laughs> but that's good it's really good though that like we have those people who are like actively interested in like watching wounds get depleted or like being our participant in surgery and things like that because those are the people we need in healthcare too so it's, everyone it, has their own role <laughs> yeah it's interesting
0: well thank you for talking to me about this i feel like i totally understand the dietary <laughs> role more and like difficulties that happen in it and like the good parts about it and yeah thank you so much
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. This was nice. It's kind of an unconventional podcast that I uh, roll guest role for me because usually I'm doing like Harry Potter podcast and guest roles but this is my life so (laughs) I can definitely speak to this
0: too. Can you talk real quick about your podcast and what what you talk about on it and the name of it?
1: Yeah. So if you guys are looking for some Harry Potter related content, which is not necessarily related to healthcare, but a good escape, but a good balance. (laughs) Yeah. It's always good to have some like comedy, some fantasy, some healthcare related realism, news things, you know, but my, I have two podcasts. The first one is the Harry Potter related one. It's called Puffcast and it's coined as your Harry Potter happy place. It is run by two Hufflepuffs and that's why it's Puffcast. And you can find us on any po- platform where pods are cast. And we just talk I about love Harry that Potter. Name. Yeah, it's, we have such <laughs> a great weird. time. We have such a nice little community. It's it's pretty much like sitting down with two friends. It's a nice little conversation. And mm. we, we just love to Im- invite as many people as we can to join in. So uh, if you like Harry Potter, join us over there. Um, nice. And if you're looking to get into a new YA fantasy book series, mm. or you've read these books before, we are currently doing a Book style, book club style read through on my other podcast, which is called Into the Fold. Um, and if you've seen the Shadow and Bone show on Netflix, it is the book series that that is based on. So we're reading through those chapter by chapter and discussing them with our listeners. And my friend Jeff and I discuss it. And it's just, it's a really great intro if you're looking to get into like a fantasy YA universe that's like super well written and really fun and if you haven't and you're not interested i mean i would recommend shadow and bone on netflix anyway no one's paying me for that in any capacity but (laughs) they just did a nice job with the show and it's fun even if you don't have any context for the the books so
0: well i've been wanting to get into more fantasy so like style like shows and stuff so maybe i'll start with this one because I, yeah. I don't really know the world too much, but you'll, this might be a pro- good one, so. You'll probably,
1: if you've been on Netflix at all in the past like six months, you'll probably recognize the title card because it was like on the top ten list for Netflix for a while. Oh wow! So you probably will pull it up and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I've seen that title card somewhere. I saw that like a while ago. I just didn't watch it." So, but very good, awesome I need show. Your show
0: anyway. So I think I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so excited to just learn more about dietitians, what they do. And thank you so much for talking to me about this. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.